This is Set Aside Some Time, an MSPN podcast, and it's brought to you by the National MSP Network, or MSPN for short. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to the Medicare Secondary Payer Network's first Set Aside Some Time podcast. For those of our listeners unfamiliar with the MSP Network, we are the premier organization for individuals, organizations, companies, and law firms who want to stay on the cutting edge of MSP compliance developments, engage in advocacy, and who seek opportunities to collaborate. I'm Amber Warman, your host for today's episode, There Can Be Miracles, Understanding Section 111. As a quick background, I'm a senior work comp claims examiner for the Montana Municipal Interlocal Authority and am currently a board member of the MSP Network. I also have the pleasure of co-chairing the MSP Network's Section 111 and Conditional Payment Committee with our very first guest today, Kira Koba. Kira is the principal of Allen Koba Compliance Solutions, and we are so honored to have her today as our first guest to discuss the hottest topic in MSP compliance, Section 111. Hi, Kira. Hi, Amber. Thanks for having me. Yeah, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am, I'm a practicing attorney and I've been doing primarily only Medicare secondary payer um, law for about at least the last decade at this point, which is insane. (laughs) I got into this field in 2008, right on the cusp of the section 111 reporting guidelines being passed and before They were actually implemented um, and rolled out to the industry. So it was actually one of the things that I did as a law clerk uh, way back in the day was uh, listen to all the town hall conferences about Section 111 reporting. So I'm currently, I'm a principal at Allen Coba Compliance Solutions, and our company does all things MSP, Medicare set-asides, medical cost projections, We do Section 111 reporting, conditional payment, negotiation and investigation. And one of my favorite areas, I think everybody that knows me probably knows that I am a big geek for Section 111 reporting. And I do believe there can be miracles, which is what we're going to talk about today. Miracles. So... (laughs) So, Kira, I feel like we should break out in song. We should. We should. <laughs> um, so, what do you see as one of the biggest challenges for um, responsible reporting entities regarding reporting? Sure. That's a good question, and it's it's going to be the topic of what we talk, focus on today. Uh, when reporting first started, they had told. RREs, which are responsible reporting entities, that they had to report any acceptance of ongoing responsibility to pay for medicals and that they couldn't terminate this ongoing responsibility for medicals. And for the purposes of the rest of this podcast, we're going to call that ORM without there being some sort of a legal, statutory, contractual closure of the ORM. There are a couple exceptions to that. We'll get into it. But I think one of the biggest challenges for REs with ORM reporting was that if you were in a lifetime medical state, you can never close the case um, and it just stays open forever and is 
time has passed. So reporting started back in 2010. It's created a situation where beneficiaries, Medicare beneficiaries have their benefits cut off um, for things that are a lot of times not related at all to the claim. And carriers are stuck in a situation where they're getting conditional payment notices and demands for things on cases that have been closed for years. So for example, if you're in a lifetime medical state or you're in a state where you have some a lot of medical only claims or low dollar claims where people go back to work and they never settle, you might pay benefits for a period of time, but you have really have no legal way to close out ORM or and you don't orchestrate a settlement of any kind, you're in a situation where that ORM is just going to stay out there forever. And you're also in a situation where you have to track and monitor all of those claims because a lot of them happen before they're Medicare eligible. Right. So then you're in a situation where you, as an RRE, are responsible for monitoring all of these OR claims indefinitely, which becomes... Oh, it's an administrative nightmare. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I can say as like a claims examiner, just just from what I've seen on those, I think we had an example Mm. in one of our meetings um, with MSP in our committee meeting where you have a person who has extreme osteoarthritis in a joint, maybe sustains a laceration, but if you couldn't turn the ORM and six years later, somebody went in and their doctor was recommending a knee replacement. Yep. Um, what I've seen yep. is, is beneficiaries contacting us as the insurance saying, hey, Medicare won't pay for this. Why not? Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we learned, we learned something new about that just recently where beneficiaries actually can call the CRC, um, actually the BCRC, and, and, re- and answer a series of questions and we're still at the MSPN network is actually working right now to find out exactly what those questions are. Um, and we'll stay tuned for that. That might be a new, a new podcast later coming out later this year. Um, but we're going to find out what they're asking these beneficiaries, but the beneficiaries, if they're having a huge amount of problems and they answer the questions to the satisfaction of the BCRC, they will actually terminate ORM. And then they send a letter to the RREs but the letter doesn't clearly tell the RREs that ORM was terminated. It kind of just says, hey, we received information that this ORM has, is ended. It, you know, is this correct? Is this not correct? And it puts the carriers in a bit of a unique situation because for what we're talking about, ORM probably hasn't terminated. They might have stopped treating. Their condition's probably completely resolved. They're probably not treating for anything that's work-related. Um, which is why they're the beneficiaries doing all of this. Um, but from a carrier perspective, you still don't have a lot of great options from that regard because you think you reported ORM. You're not, this letter isn't exactly telling you that they deleted your ORM, but it's sort of putting you on notice that the beneficiary is telling the BCRC something. And I think this is a unique issue because you kind of feel for the beneficiary, right? You right. want them to be able to get their <laughs> treatment paid for if it's exactly. not related to the work injury. And as a carrier, you don't want to pay for it because right. you've got the person that's treating saying, this is not related at all. This is a really old claim. So we actually did, as part of the conditional payment and 111 committee call, uh, we're doing quarterly calls with the agency officials. We did tell CMS about that issue and they are, 
thinking about it and looking into it and it is, you know, on their radar, but and for those of you that don't know, just a, a little plug here. So Kiracoba and myself actually co-chair um, the Section 111 and Conditional Payment Lien Committee for the MSP Network. Um, and she's just been great to work with. And we are meeting quarterly um, with CMS representatives, BCRC. Um, we're going to be getting uh, some meetings on the books with CRC. So um, MSP Network, great organization. Um, we really encourage folks in the industry to participate so that we can um, advocate for our industry and help kind of fix these things. So Kira, as part of that stuff and, and part of those meetings that we had, what kind of changes have you seen recently? There was a big one, well, right? There was a big one. And that's kind of the purpose of our whole uh, podcast today. There was a miracle and <laughs> we, insurance reporting. Yes, we, <laughs> MSPN was not the only industry organization that was involved with this miracle. I would say most of the credit for this goes to the Mark Coalition, who has been advocating for this issue for ever, for as long as I can remember. Um, but so without further ado, CMS finally agreed to allow RREs to terminate ORM early if certain prongs are met. Um, Yes. This is is something that the MARC Coalition has really wanted for a really long time. They've really pushed for it. MSPN was on board as well, and we talked to CMS about it um, in our executive committee quarterly meetings with them. So the MARC Coalition was really instrumental in this change, uh, getting CMS to allow for early ORM termination. They worked on this tirelessly for years, for as long as I can even remember. And the issue always was that carriers are need to have a way where when ORM just continues on indefinitely, they need to have a way to terminate these ORMs. So I think that this is going to be something that can be not only prospectively for RREs, it went into effect in the most recent user guide update to the Section 111 reporting user guide on June 11th. And I think that it's something that retroactively carriers can take a look at as well, and we can kind of talk about that. So let's talk about the prongs of what CMS is going to allow people to do now at this point. So it isn't changing the old ORM term rules. So you can terminate ORM if you legally, statutorily, contractually, or otherwise don't have any future ongoing responsibility for medicals. You can also terminate ORM if you have a physician statement that states no future treatment is needed for the injury. Um, And let me read, I'm going to read specifically what that requirement is. So when there is no practical likelihood of future medical treatment, an RRE may submit a termination date for ORM if it maintains a statement signed by the beneficiary's treating physician that no additional medical items and or services associated with the claim of injuries will be required. So really up until this point, those were the only ways you could terminate ORM. Um, Or if you settled the case or you tried the case. But now there is a four-prong test that CMS is allowing all RREs to use, regardless of whether you're in a lifetime medical state or not. And here is the test. All right. And I'll read it slowly. (laughs) And it's found, if anyone wants to read it, it's found in section 6.3.2 
of the updated user guide in chapter three. Uh, and that user guide can be found at cms.gov under the Medicare tab for non-group health plan reporting. So when there is no practical likelihood of associated future medical treatment, which is reflected by meeting all of the following in RRE can terminate ORM. Number one, no claims were paid with any diagnosis codes related to ingestion, implantation, or exposure. Number two, no claims were paid for any medical item or service related to the case within five years of the date of service of any such claim. So it's the date of treatment, not, not necessarily the date, of the date you paid the claim okay. or paid the bill or the date of loss. Yep. Number three, treatment did not include nor were any claims paid related to a medical implantation or prosthetic device. And I think that was sort of covered up above, but if you weren't clear, right? <laughs> any prosthetic or implantation device. Um, so we're talking spinal cord stimulators, total knee replacements. What about, what about hearing aids? What do you think they, I don't know. Hearing aid an implanted device, right? They also aren't covered by Medicare. Right. So I guess, it's, I guess that's a, a moot point. Yeah. I think, I think what they're looking for are devices that require ongoing maintenance. Okay. So a pain pump Spinal or stimulators. Yeah. A right knee, total knee replacement. Right. Um, you know, those types of like actual implanted, either surgically implanted parts or some sort of a, like a replacement body like part, that, which isn't common, but yeah. Okay. Right. And number four, the treatment or the total amount paid by the insurer for all medical claims. So you don't have to count indemnity. You don't have to count any other types of payments into this bucket. Medical claims did not exceed $25,000. So a little bit on like a, the background of getting to this point. So I'm I mean, I think we should almost give CMS a round of applause for coming out with this because if they're listening, <laughs> I mean, this is awesome. Yes. I mean, are there things that we wanted to, do we want it to go further? Maybe, maybe on some like levels we did, but um, maybe in the, the amounts we might've wanted it to go further. Um, and the only reason I say that is this amount, I feel like rules out a lot of the things that we just talked about anyways. So right. if you have a spinal cord simulator or a right knee replacement, you've paid more than $25,000 a medical. Right. right. Guaranteed. We wanted this dollar amount to be a little bit higher because we all know that the cost of medical treatment in this country is astronomical. Right. Um, you know, a one day stay in the hospital cost you, can cost you that at this point, um, depending on what you have done. So anyways, but they came up higher than where they started. We started at 10,000. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm happy with 25. We right. would have liked to see it go higher. Maybe it will at some point. Maybe they're, you know, with inflation or data collection. Show them, yes, data collection. And as, as we grow our MSPN membership, that's one of the things that we really want to try to do is collect more information and better information to share with the government. The other thing is the look back time period. Um, originally, we, it was seven and we really wanted it to be three and we kind of ended up in the middle at five. Um, so who knows? Five is great. It's better than 
never. But what can you do with that as a carrier? So one of the things that comes to my mind as I'm thinking about this is going back and looking for ORM cases that are still open that you haven't paid anything on in five years, right? And, and getting them terminated, right? Um, you know, and this is probably going to save you a lot of money and a lot of time in the long run. And it'll save the beneficiaries from their benefits getting cut off for related treatment, you know, 10 years down the road or 20 years down the road. And um, it really, hopefully will save CMS a lot of time too, because they're not going to be paying and chasing and paying and chasing. They can just pay and know that it's feel comfortable that it isn't related to a super old work injury. Right. Right. Just more efficient overall. Yeah. I mean, what was your gut reaction when you saw this come out, Amber? Relief. (laughs) I just thought of how it, it can affect kind of the, the entire, um, MSP landscape a little bit, because if you're able to get those ORMs closed, um, it just saves everybody a lot of time. It saves CMS time and efficiency and money, um, trying to track down things or, or have liens developed that aren't related or shouldn't be related at all. Um, what other things do you think it's, it's going to save CMS or everybody involved, including the beneficiaries? Well, the beneficiaries, it's hopefully just going to help them just to continue to have their benefits not get denied right. and not have to deal with any of this. One of the questions that I get a lot is what do you do though, if someone does start treating again? Because right. we know it can happen. Right. So, and CMS addresses this in their user guide as well. If at any time, any of the parameters set forth above should no longer be applicable, the insurer must then update the ORM record to reflect that they once again have ongoing responsibility for medicals. Should the case once again fall under these parameters, for example, if the five years elapsed from the last relevant date of service, then ORM for that case may once again be terminated. So it can reopen and reclose again. And what does that look like on the report? Are you just deleting the termination date then and resubmitting a record? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would just remove your, send an update. You take the ORM term date out and send an update. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would think that's how you do it. I guess we could check the event tables and make sure that that's the way they would want to do it. But I would assume that you would just remove the term date you know what, though, that raises a really good question. And maybe this is something to think about going forward. If you remove that ORM term date, CMS has a record that you sent it at one point. Right. But I guess the question is, would it be better to submit a brand new claim input file? Um, you'd be in the same boat. My What I'm thinking, my train of thought here is, once you remove that ORM term date to pay those bills, if there were bills that were unrelated for a same similar body part at some point during when your ORM was closed out. That now you're going to get a lien. Will you end up with right. initial payments during that period of time anyway? So if it reopens, you know, but again, I guess if the beneficiary is talking to you again, you know, they're treating again, at least at that point, you can talk to the injured party and find out what was going on. You can right. get their records. You can investigate that. So many of these problems occur because the carrier has no idea where the beneficiary even is. They don't know if they're treating, they don't have any of these medical records and they can't get them. Right. 
And Medicare doesn't provide them, even if you request them. And um, I've been told a couple of different things with that regard. I've been told Medicare doesn't have the records, but I've also been told they do, but they don't share them. So I'm not sure which is the case. And that might be something that um, it might depend on who over at Medicare too. It may right. not be the lean contractor, but some other department might have the records, but right. Um, we haven't successfully obtained the records from Medicare. I'm not, you know, it, when these types of things happen, you typically have to find the beneficiary and figure out what's going on. Right, right. So what other kind of changes do you think we're going to be seeing down the pike? Do we have other things on the horizon? Well, I think the next, the next focus here is the paid act. Right. So we've got the tech specifications. I think people are starting to build. We have Medicare's upcoming paid act webinar, uh, the due date for responses and questions for that webinar is tomorrow. So get your questions in. But um, I think that's where we're headed. Great, great. Well, Kira, thank you so much for being our, our first guest on no the MSP Network's first podcast. Um, I'd like to thank you for your time today. And again, Kira Koba, uh, principal of Allen Koba Compliance Solutions. Um, thanks today. Thanks for setting aside some time today to talk to us. No problem. My pleasure. And thank you to our audience for setting aside your time for the MSP Network's Set Aside Some Time podcast. Join us next on July 20th for our next episode, Conditional Payment Containment, hosted by Sandy Walthall, Divisional Vice President of Claims with Great American Insurance. 